from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang. Welcome to our another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast, our last one of the year doing this show. And I repeat, doing this show. I am doing something very special tomorrow, kind of end of year wrap up. But for the Cyber News program, this is our last show of the year. Thank you for being with us this entire year. 2023 has been a great year, and I'm grateful for all of y'all for making this show what it is because it wouldn't be there without any of you. So thank you again so very much. Good morning. Welcome to our show. A lot to talk about today. A lot going on. It's ransomware bonanza is what I like to call it. For all of you tuning in live on YouTube, LinkedIn, X, Twitch, Rumble, Facebook, and Instagram, thank you for being here. Really do appreciate all of y'all. Let's go ahead and get started. But before we do, go check out our Substack. Later today, I'm dropping part two of the UN Cybercrime Treaty that just isn't sitting well with yours truly. I go into a lot of detail about that specific uh, 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 article and, and, and on the specific cybercrime uh, treaty. Uh, you can go get that on our Substack, jamesazer.substack.com. You do need to be a subscriber to get the full article. When you do subscribe, though, we mail you one of these awesome CyberHub podcast espresso travel mugs. They're great to keep your coffee warm. Now, join me for a coffee cup. Cheers this morning. Coffee cup cheers, y'all. Double espresso in the AM. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Eric, and everyone else tuning in. Thank y'all for being here this morning. Let's go ahead and kick this off with a huge hardware feature present in the Apple system on chip that's being abused to successfully bypass protections, take over devices, and attacks that are targeting the iPhones of dozens of Kaspersky senior employees, according to the Russian cybersecurity vendor. They've referred to the attacks as Operation Triangulation, Multiple iOS zero-day vulnerabilities were exploited to execute code and install spyware on target devices. It was dubbed Triangle DB. The spyware implant was designed to be as stealthy as possible with the infection change involving multiple checks and logs erasing actions to prevent the malware's identification. Apple released patches for three of the exploited vulnerabilities in June of July of this year noting that they could be exploited on iOS attacks versions iOS 15.7 or earlier. Spursky explained that the attacks employed malicious iMessage attachments that would exploit a remote code, execution zero-day track to CVE 2023-32434, and deploy the triangle DB without any sort of user interaction. This is kind of the stuff they talked about early on with Pegasus. Pegasus was a no-interaction type of exploit. It would just the text you something and that was it you didn't even need to interact with it which is very different from phishing by the way and it's very advanced but to see this being targeted specifically at kaspersky is kind of a change of mo we typically see this being deployed by governments to, against descendants against journalists against opposition members and whatnot we haven't yet seen this target the industry at least specifically um but in this case uh kaspersky is saying their technical write-up that um that, that actually did happen when uh the exploited feature according to kaspersky was likely intended for debugging purposes it may have been included by error the mmio registers used in the attack don't belong to the known ranges of peripheral devices and apple products that are defined and stored 
in a special file format called device tree. There's no ordinary vulnerability. They have many unanswered questions. We don't know how the attackers learned to use this unknown hardware feature or what its original purpose was. Neither do we know if it was developed by Apple or its third-party component like an ARM core site. So, very interesting. Russia's FSB is blaming the NSA for the spying campaign. Um, NSA is obviously hush and mum about this one, but, but a very interesting development nonetheless. Let's get into ransomware bonanza, but first we've got to talk about this breach going on uh, with a mortgage servicing firm called Loan Care. They're informing 1.3 million individuals whose mortgage they processed of uh, a data breach impacting their PII. They're a subsidiary of Fidelity National Financial. They provide loan subservicing for mortgage loaners, including banks, credit unions, and mortgage firms. The data breach was a result of a cyber attack on FNF's internal systems. Loan Care says in a notification letter, uh, and a copy was submitted to the Maine Attorney General's office. Is, is, is typically, Maine has some of the more stricter ones. It's where they typically report these. And then from there, it kind of goes out. Now there's the AK filing with the SEC. They've identi- they identified the incident on November 19th. It did result in business disruption. The incident was contained a week later on the 26th of November the company is restoring normal business operations and is coordinating with its customers um, as of this announcement, which lets you know about almost a month later, they're still dealing with it. Names, addresses, social security numbers, and loan numbers were all part of the exfiltrated data sets by the attackers. Upon becoming aware, they started an investigation. This is the the regular stuff, right? We discovered it. We hired a third-party company. We're doing everything we can. so again, not mocking the victims. I'm just mocking the fact that they all reused the same exact statement. Loan Care told the Maine Attorney General's office that uh, more than 1.3 million individuals were impacted by the breach. Uh, Black Cat or Alpha Five recently went to credit for the attack on them. So this is likely one of those, and we could see data come out there. Lockbit has disrupted emergency care at several German hospitals. Uh, starting the early morning of Christmas Eve on December 24th. It severely impacted systems that support the operations of three hospitals in Belfeld, uh, Rita, Weidenbrook, and Hereford, Germany. Unknown actors gained access to the IT infrastructure of the hospital and have encrypted data. It's set to be Lockbit 3.0 and might be one of their first test ones there. The resolution time is currently unforeseeable. The following three hospitals, which KHO operates, have been impacted. Um, Franzixis Hospital in Belfield with 614 beds. Uh, Sangs Vincent Hospital in uh, St. Vincent's Hospital. That's how they say it in German. In uh, Raida Windenbrook with also 614 beds. And Methilden Hospital in in Hereford with 600 in 14 beds as well and so you see the impact there this time of year lockbit hasn't really added them to the extortion portal on the dark web so whether that's true or not still remains to be seen essential uh, patient information still remains accessible through successful restoration of backups but there are impacts there in terms of it systems and emergencies um, and so forth so um, you know patient care continues uh, according to them which means they've got a good uh, business continuity plan for these types of events, and they're not completely reliant on technology, which is great. The Ohio lottery and the people of the great state of Ohio 
are going through a cybersecurity incident and a ransomware attack that's claiming to have stolen a significant amount of information from the organization itself. Um, the Ohio State Lottery informed customers on its website that it had experienced a cybersecurity event. The organization assured the public that its gaming system is fully operational, but decided to shut down some key systems to contain the incidents. Tickets can still be purchased, but winning numbers and jackpots for some games are not available on the website, and they're not cashing any prizes more than $599 as a result of the incident. Um, their new ransomware group named Dragon Force is the one who took credit for this. This attack started on Christmas Eve on December 24th, and on December 27th, three days later, Dragon Force came out claiming to have 600 gigabytes of data from the Ohio lottery, including databases storing over 3 million records associated with employees and players, potentially people who actually won um, stuff in the Ohio lottery, including names, email addresses, postal addresses, winnings, date of birth, and social security numbers there as well. They've published several screenshots to demonstrate their claims. They're threatening to make all stolen data public in three days, suggesting that Ohio is not willing the Ohio lottery is not willing to pay their ransom demand. So that remains to be seen of how they deal with it. By the way, um, I've put this link in the show notes. You have to watch it. Uh, the local news covering this is absolutely hilarious. It is really, really good. If we had time, I'd totally have you watch it. But you should definitely do it. Catch this in the show notes. You won't regret it. I promise you. A new Rugami malware loader is surging with hundreds of thousands of detections uh, across uh, a whole bunch of areas. So the new malware loader is being used by actors to deliver a wide range of information stealers like Luma Stealer, Vidar, Record Breaker, and Rescoms. ESET is tracking the Trojan under the name Win uh, slash Trojan Downloader slash Rugami. The malware is a loader with three different types of components, a downloader that downloads an encrypted payload, a loader that runs the payload from internal resources, and another one that runs the payload from an external file on the disk telemetry data gathered shows that the detection of for the rugami loader spiked in october and november surging from simple single digits daily to over hundreds per day now stealer malware is typically sold under a malware as a service model to other threat actors on a subscription basis that's being advertised for 250 dollars a month with the most expensive plan costing nearly twenty thousand dollars so and it also gives customer access to source code and the right to sell it and so much more. They're continually adapting their tactics to evade detection. The off-the-shelf tool is distributed through a variety of method methods, ranging from malvertising to fake browser updates to correct installations of popular software, such as VLC Media Player and OpenAI ChatGBT. I want to stop there for just a second. I'll tell you something about these uh, fake browser updates that we're seeing uh, a lot take over. Partially, either organizations have updates really really locked down or they're not locked down enough right it's one of those two things and uh, specifically here you want to have clear communication over updates and have control over updates and show what the screen for updates would look like in order to really take this kind of attack vector off the table and it's really something as simple as communications meaning on this day between these hours we're going to be updating your machines be mindful you're going to see these screens come through you're going to see this thing running in the background if at all um and so forth another technique that they're using is discord's content delivery network to host and propagate the malware that was discovered by trend micro back in october and we talked about it a little bit on the show here 
And that's significant if people have Discord. In a, in a BYOD environment, you very much have a lot of people who game, especially in the engineering and development state uh, stages of our organization, who have Discord and use Discord as part of their off hours way to just game and, and, and so forth. So you want to be really, really mindful of that. That calls for really kind of creative ways to look at a BYOD uh, of, of how you kind of integrate those in the off hours and so forth. Because that's another way they deliver this malware. So there's something else to keep an eye on. A critical zero day in the Apache Office ERP system is exposing it to attacks. The open source enterprise resource planning system that can be exploited to bypass authentication protection. The vulnerability is CVE 2023-51467. It resides in the login functionality and is the result of an incomplete patch for another critical vulnerability, CVE 2023-49070. That was released earlier this month. The security measures taken to patch it left the root issue intact, and therefore the authentication bypass was still present, according to the SonicWall Capture Labs threat research team, which discovered the bug. So according to SonicWall, CVE 2023-51467 could be triggered using empty and invalid username and password parameters in an HTTP request to return an authentication success message effectively um, circumventing the protection and enabling a threat actor to access otherwise unauthorized internal resources. A patch has been made available. You want to make sure to use that. Final story of the day, a little to do with cyber, a whole lot more to do with the geo uh, side of cyber terrorism. Global underwater communication cables are huge. They're, they're, They're in fact a big piece of all of our global economy. Well, there's a major hub of cables that runs at the Bab El Mandab Strait, that which is just outside of Yemen, where the Houthi rebels, who are trying to shut that part of of the Red Sea, and now there's obviously an international force there, as as some ships are having to go around the Horn of Africa in order to get to the Mediterranean. Um, so there's now some concern that with the uh, amount of foreign navies there that the Houthi rebels could potentially look at damaging the cable infrastructure that connects the east to the west because that's really one of the main hubs there. Reports were published on social media that uh, earlier this week, the Houthi rebels uh, were threatening to damage the international communication cables laid at the seabed of the Bab el-Mandib Strait. It's unknown if they would have those capabilities. They're obviously armed by Iran, and this is really kind of, you know, every, everything they've done thus far since October 7th and the Hamas attack on Israel and then the subsequent kind of all these uh, uh, Iran-backed uh, militia groups, kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're non-state actors, as I like to call them, are, are really trying to kind of, they're, they're all being mobilized. Israel is fighting a fight on seven fronts uh, at the moment. It's, it's Israel's uh, uh, most complex war since it's, it was uh, established in 1948. But would they have the capabilities to do so? And if they did, what would that mean? You can imagine that if they touched any of those cables underwater, that would likely be a global conflict of a scale where Yemen, where the poor people of Yemen, who've been in civil war for about 12 or 14 years now, uh, with a, a, a kids there, uh, 50% or 60% of kids there uh, die from malnutrition. Um, it's, it's, it's really, really bad. Um, for for the people of Yemen, that that could equate to a whole lot more um, 
uh, challenges in that region right now. Um, and obviously, you can see how these cables run. And this is the Bab Elmendeep uh, uh, straight right there. And these cables obviously run under the Red Sea and go into Europe. And really, that's how all communication goes from east to west and west to east um, is through this strait in the Red Sea. And so any sort of interruption here would have global consequences that would likely bring about the type of global uh, response that the Houthis are not ready to deal with. Um, so if that threat is real, we'll probably see more of it there. That's it for our show today. Tomorrow, we'll be doing a special broadcast on some of the most notable stuff we've seen in 2023. No 2024 predictions. Anyone who's been a viewer of the show for years knows I don't like doing prediction shows. I just feel like they're they're no different than a panel on any sort of cable news channel. It's just a bunch of people who think they know what they're saying, talking about what they think they're going to happen. Um, not into that. We'll wrap up 2023, see what we can learn from it and how we can be better prepared for 2024. That's going to be out tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern right here. Thank you all for tuning in. Really do appreciate it. And please make sure to subscribe. Go check out our Substack for all the latest. Until then, have a great rest of your day. Happy New Year if we don't speak. Until then, and most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.